Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for spending time with me today. I'm looking forward to the next couple of hours. We have Guy Talk uh, coming on in just a minute. And then second hour, Dr. Heather Holloman will be joining me. She's written a book called The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility. So that's going to be a great hour as well. But speaking of... Uh, togetherness and civility. We're going to start with Guy Talk, so we want your questions. Let me know what you have for us today. Text them over to 877-933-2484. Again, the number is 877-933-2484. My power panel today is Dr. Peter Kapsner and Tom Parrish. Gentlemen, welcome. Hi, Bill. Hey, Hey, Bill. Hey, Tom, you know, we it's just the two of us today. We were having a scintillating conversation off the air before Bill so rudely cut us off to get the show started. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, we were. Yeah, I had to start the show, so you guys were talking 100 miles an hour. So hopefully uh, we'll get some great questions coming in today. I've got one to get us started, uh, and it is regarding um, a teacher that came on my show not too long ago, and he preached. Uh, he said, you need to turn from your sins and the listener said, salvation is by grace through faith alone. And so the gospel is the whole point of the Bible. God did it for us on the cross, reconciled us to a holy God. Don't you think it's self-righteous to say, turn from your sins? How can anyone fully do this in this life since we are born with a sin nature? You know, I always find it interesting the way uh, people read the Bible and isolate a passage and make that their primary passage, like, you know, I'm saved by grace through faith. I'm a Lutheran. I grew up with that. But the one thing I wasn't taught heavily, and yet it's in the Bible, is this call to repentance. And especially, you know, when you first receive Jesus, you need to repent. That is, lay down your sin in front of him. But now that I'm a a disciple of Jesus and I walk with him every day, I, I recognize my sin pretty easy. And I spend a lot of time telling the Lord, this was wrong. I want your mind. And so I come repentant. So the two always have to be together. You can't separate the two. Yeah, this is, Parrish, I think you and I go back and forth on this for a bit, because I think this is a conversation that might be a little tricky, and I, and I want to for sure avoid the risk of confusion. But I think what the caller is probably referencing is the idea that we're equating this phrase sin nature with an inability, because we have a sin nature, to perhaps recognize anything that is good, um, and and therefore all of the work of salvation God did on the cross. And and that language um, really is the language that stems from a very uh, narrow church tradition that was um, very much emphasized in the Reformed tradition, started with St. Augustine, but, but what it means is that we're totally depraved. So you and I and Bill, Ryan on the board today, the listener, anybody listening on Faith Radio, from that specific point of view, 
would say that the human being is totally depraved. Um, there is no good that resides anywhere in them. And so God chooses some uh, to save uh, on the cross, but it's all according to God's agency. And what I want to say about that view is it is a view. Um, it's a view that some people would suggest is the best interpretation of Scripture. But when you look at the long history of 2,000 years in the church, there are many other views about what happened on salvation uh, and with salvation. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's the tricky part. And maybe I'll just make one more comment, leave it there. You, you chime in on, on what's next. But um, original sin, this view didn't actually start until about the fifth century. Uh, and so there was... Uh, and again, it was a very narrow stream of Christianity that holds to this view. Uh, most of Christianity outside of this view would suggest that what having a sin nature means is that we come from the hand of God good, because God doesn't make evil. Uh, everything that comes from God's hand is good, but that humans, human beings have sort of a leprosy that is interwoven in them. There is a sin that is wreaking havoc upon them. And so salvation um, is for those people who recognize that they have a leprosy within all of them, and they cry out for help because they can't break the power of sin on their own. Thus, we need a Savior who can break the power of sin. And in that context, Tom, you actually can repent. You can choose uh, to say, I don't want this sin. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't stop myself from doing it. I can't um, rescue myself. I need a rescuer. So I don't. I don't know what you think about that. I hope that's not confusing. But I think for this listener to say that Bill had a guest on his show that wasn't maybe preaching the gospel, that's anchored in one very narrow view of the gospel. There's lots of other views of the gospel that are are, are equally biblical, just coming from a different angle. You know, as I read the Bible, and I've been a Bible teacher a long time. When you look at what what the Bible talks about, you know, uh, David talked about the fact, you know, sinner from birth. And that, okay, yeah, that's our primary nature is to drift away from the Lord and do our own thing. We are made good because we're, we're created, you know, in the image of God. But on the other hand, our basic nature is we want to be God. And so we battle this all the time. Now, the issue is this. When I, at age 22, and I grew up in the church and I heard the gospel, at age 22, received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, it wasn't because I came to a real logical conclusion that Jesus was it after all the reading I had done. There was a spiritual change in my heart by the Holy Spirit. However, I still needed to put my laundry in front of the Lord. I still needed to lay down my sin. And every day since then, I can get up in the morning and affirm, Jesus, I'm saved by grace through faith. You're my Lord and Savior. There is nobody else but you. Without you, I'm nothing. At the same time, Lord, I didn't treat my neighbor right yesterday. I don't feel good about that. I repent of that, and I want to be like you. Give me the power to go fix that. So it's that ongoing living relationship. It's kind of, uh, I remember the old movie that talked about a push-me-pull-you. You've always got this going on back and forth because it is a living relationship. And when we're in that living relationship, we are a new creation. The biggest fear for me is that we take our salvation for granted and we say, hey, I was saved by grace 40 years ago. I don't need to do anything now in terms of repenting or forgiving or whatever else because I'm just okay. No, no. Now we become like Jesus, and everything is to be like him, and that means keep cleaning up our own act in the best way we can, not to get salvation, but because we have salvation. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really well said, Tom, because I think some people understandably believe that salvation is only related to this 
moment in time in which you go from sort of this dead heart to this live heart. And again, that's a, that is a view within Christianity. And I just want to say it's, it's a view. It again, anchors the idea that salvation happened on the cross, that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. And as soon as he did that on the cross, this salvation happened. But for a careful student of the scriptures, they're going to recognize that there's a lot of scripture that teaches something entirely different that we really can't necessarily just bracket off from our thinking. And so, for example, and we've read this on Guy Talk before, but in 1 Corinthians 15, if somebody wants to let that this passage shape their faith, it might teach us something very different. Um, it says actually that there had to be more that happened than the cross in order for sin to be broken in our life. First Corinthians 15 and then verses 16 and, and following, it says, for the dead are not raised, then Jesus hasn't been raised either. And here's the key verse. I mean, this is a stunning verse. And if Christ yes. has not been raised from the dead, your faith is actually useless and you're still in your sins. And so yeah. if we just let the Bible be the Bible, if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins, this kind of weird view that Jesus took the blow on the cross and at that point got everybody into heaven that was going to get into heaven, uh, you don't even need Easter Sunday in, in that view. The biblical view would teach that there's a power of sin active in our life. This is the leprosy that you and I would talk about that is— yeah. that isn't done away with. It's, it's a whole lifetime battle between the leprosy in us. Um, but the difference between the believer and the unbeliever is that the believer, when they turn from their sins and repent, now they have a resurrection power that's bigger than the sin in their life yeah. that does battle with them. And so the invitation of the gospel, the good news is you are not lost to the leprosy anymore. You actually now have a new resurrection power at work in your life day in and day out that teaches you to love and become generous and faithful and kind and shine with an otherworldly kind of light. This is the good news of the gospel, but we lost it. Uh, right around about 1930 and 40 and 50, when we started teaching this sort of weird view of salvation, that you do a 30-second prayer ri ritual, get yourself positioned properly for heaven, and done and dusted. That, that view actually is entirely unbiblical and is very unique in, in Christian history. You know, it's interesting because in one of my churches, and I served churches for a long time, I had several older people come to me. There was an event in the church, and uh, I had messed up. I had done something wrong. And so from the pulpit, uh, brave as I was beginning to preach, I said, forgive me. I sinned against you and against the Lord Jesus. I made a mistake, and I depend upon you to help me continue to walk with the Lord. They came up to me afterward, and they said, we have never heard a pastor admit that they were wrong or repent. And my attitude is simply this, guys. Why not? We are not perfect people. We're not the Savior. Jesus is, and Jesus is who I depend on. But in the meantime, I don't have to be this perfect person in this world. I can also be somebody who makes mistakes, sins, and yet knows that I can confess that and go back to the Lord Jesus, and he will renew my relationship and my relationship with others. Hmm. So, yeah, so, uh, so, oh, go so good. No, go ahead, Peter. Just maybe one last comment. I think one of the things that really caught me short was when Dallas Willard was talking about this. And I love, Parrish, what you're talking about, that this is a lifetime journey. Um, and I don't care if you're a pastor, if you're a parent, if you're a seven-year-old, uh, when, you, when you're invited to have Jesus as ongoing Lord in your life, who is bringing a different kind of life into your life, now, now he is Savior in, in its fullness. And Dallas Willard said, unfortunately, we so often end up 
um, kind of in this faith where we're vampire Christians, where we take a little of Jesus's <laughs> blood, but then we sort of go on with our lives. And he said um, that, it, I think it was um, A.W. Tozer, when people were preaching this gospel saying, hey, all you have to do is just to, to make a decision for Jesus is to pray a prayer of faith and you get into heaven when you die. Is somebody even as luminous as A.W. Tozer is like, I don't think so. This seems a bit heretical. And yet the, some ministries really um, took that and ran with it. And I think we have, in the words of Dallas Willard, created some vampire Christians who said, hey, I've got a bit of blood of Jesus. I get into heaven when I die. But we've left them impotent too often in terms of what it means to actually change and grow and shine the light of the kingdom that only comes from God. Good word. Yeah, that's a really, really good good start to Guy Talk. This is impressive. Let me know what your questions are. Send them over. You can text them to 877-933-2484, or if you like email, I'm okay with that. Bill at MyFaithRadio.com. We've got lots more to come up with Guy Talk. I'm looking at the text line. There's some great questions coming in, and I have Pastor Tom Parrish and Dr. Peter Kapsner as the power panel today. It's a strong squad. We'll be right back. to the show. It is Guy Talk. Love when we do this hour. I always learn so much. Pastor Tom Parrish and Dr. Peter Kapsner are my Guy Talk power panel today, so let me know what your questions are. Got some good ones coming in. Uh, 877-933-2484. Just to connect some dots to our last topic, uh, let's see. This is an interesting uh, comment. Uh, Can you reconcile how that sinful desire continues to haunt me while being a Christian? Yeah, I mean, we're we're still in these perishable bodies, right? Tom mm-hmm. Parrish? I mean, we still we we're are. waiting to we're waiting to be glorified. We're waiting to get to the other side. And so, again, I can't emphasize enough that the difference is when you become a Christian, it isn't that you stop sinning or you stop desiring sin or that anything really the only thing that changes. And if people want to boil it down to this, here's the one thing that changes is now you're not alone. Now there's a power that is operating in your life. It's the power of the Spirit. It's the resurrection power offered by Jesus that is operative in your life that begins to change and transform you so that your desires and your sinful attitudes and all the things actually do become Christ-like over time. But that's a process. And, and Parish, we've been so busy trying to get people through the doors of the churches for the last 30 years through entertainment, I would say, in so many places that we've long lost the art of discipleship where we really are teaching people Um, How do you engage with the active resurrection power that's now in you um, so that you do actually begin to change out of those sinful desires? Well, exactly. And that's what we need to be talking about. We need to really be talking about discipleship in the the whole sense of my goal is now to grow up and to be like Jesus. He's not only my Savior. He's not only my God. He's not only the one who loves me with all of his heart and has brought me to this faith. But now my goal is to reflect him to the world. In everything I do. And, and guys, right now, I mean, we just heard about another shooting uh, that took place yesterday. It's a horrible what's going on. But there is so much, uh, I think, fear, anger, uh, anxiety in our culture because we have drifted away from this real call to trust in Jesus and let him heal our souls that people today are on their own 
and they're having a very hard time. And so the mm-hmm. church needs to be in the forefront of telling people how much love Jesus has and how much he wants to change your lives, and he wants to do that every single day and every thought and every action you have. Hmm, that's a really good word, Tom, on that. You're right. I just, uh, it, if we, again, just if we read the scriptures, Jesus never once said to his disciples, why don't you guys hang out here for a little bit while I do the cross thing, and then finally you'll have a hope in a future, and I'll get you saved and get, get you into heaven when you die. Um, what he did say to them over and over again, I think it's 91 times in the Gospels, he says, follow me, follow me, yeah. follow me. And, and, and to be a Christian, again, if we just, the, the, the origin of the word Christian is not somebody who got saved and gets into heaven when they die. The origin of the word is Christ follower. Christian means yes. Christ follower. So if you want to say, if, if I asked you, Tom, are you a Christian? You would say, yes, Peter, I'm a follower of Christ. And as a result of that, you do begin to authentically grow in Christ's likeness in who you are. And so uh, for people who are wrestling through anxiety, and understandably so um, in, in our world today, the invitation is not to surround ourselves with a different set of circumstances to relieve the anxiety. The invitation is to interact with the power of the spirit that now dwells in us. And so yes. it begins to change our anxious hearts into a heart of, of peace and, and a heart of settledness where the waters are calm finally. And only Jesus can really do that work. It usually happens over a period of time. But this is what Paul means when he says, I've learned the secret of becoming content or at peace or a sense of wholeness. I don't care whether I'm being chased by wild dogs. I don't care whether I have a lot of wealth. I don't care whether I am in, in poverty or desperation. I have learned the secret uh, of a non-stirred-up life, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And and that invitation, I, we just we don't—again, I, I know you and I have been talking about this a lot on, on the show today, but for some reason we've split salvation from discipleship when the only invitation Jesus ever had was one of discipleship. And when you say yes, yes to following him, it means a new power is at work in you. You know, I wish we could take Bill and Peter, everything Peter just said, put that in, a, in some kind of a loop, a one or two minute loop, put it on every news channel, put it on every newspaper, because people need to hear this so desperately. And I'll be honest, guys, if it wasn't for programs like we're doing and there are others in the country, we're not the only one. There are many others. But people need to hear this because I see people today that are so lost and so confused. And when I look at I've got two granddaughters that are in elementary school, and they even go to a Christian school. Now, you would think, hey, they're kind of out of the milieu of what's going on in the world. No, it's just as confusing there as it is for others because the emphasis needs to continually going back on walking with Jesus every day, being his lifelong disciple, and loving him more than anything else in this world. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm incredibly grateful for the voices in my life along the way that, that at first when I started hearing this kind of teaching that you and I are talking about, um, it, it really was disruptive in my life. But then <laughs> it, it then there there was a sense, there's like this taste of the possibility of a good news, that maybe the good news of Jesus was even be- better than I had ever dared hope believe, and that there was a reason to follow him in this life, not to just do a 30-second ritual when I was 15, um, but but to actually follow him and to say, I want to stay as close to my shepherd in this life as I could. But that took a lot of careful conversation from people in my life and professors yeah. that I had, some pastors that I had, that I was so, and, and books that I had been reading that I was so um, grateful for. And, and Tom, I've, I've had the opportunity to be with 18 to 22-year-olds um, for the better part of the last 18 years of my life. And we do have that time 
uh, in those classes, usually two, three, four weeks at a time, uh, 100 minutes per class. And when we start talking about the good news of God's kingdom and what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I do watch young people begin to come to life in the same ways that yeah. I started coming to life and thought, I, so this is not parish theology or capstone. I, I think this is actually as close as you and I in our finiteness and in our seeing through the glass darkly, right? Because we're, we're missing all sorts of stuff too. Oh, um, sure. But I think this is a much closer version of what the gospel is meant to actually be among us. And can you imagine a whole church of people who actually from the inside out loved each other? weren't in strife and in gossip and trying to get people through the doors and marketing techniques and counting people in the pews and, and trying to get, you know, funding for the past. What if you just walked into a church and you said, Hey, I know you're Christians by your love, biblically speaking, yep. right? It just, it, yep. it's operating in you because, because Jesus is really present. That's a church I'd want to go to. Because that's a church that has life and offers life where our society doesn't offer a lot of life to people. It has a tendency to take people down, and uh, that's painful. Matter of fact, I was just reading online, because uh, I'm doing a sermon this Sunday, talking about that you are a somebody in Jesus Christ, because Jesus declares that, not because you were born that way. He declares you are. But I can't get over how many kids today, especially elementary kids, they're on these social media. And I found a whole list of things people are saying to one another. Guys, it's terrible. At, at eight, nine years old, I didn't need people to tell me I was stupid or that I was homely or if I was the last man on earth, you know, no girl would ever want to talk to me. This is what's happening to our youth today. And then they're becoming teenagers and they're angry and adults. And we need to get the word of Jesus love back into people's heart and call them discipleship. Yeah, that's I, that's why I loved a sermon you sent me recently. Just where your whole sermon for 25, 27 minutes, whatever it was, was simply focusing on who Jesus is, the fullness of, of who he is and to invite young people, but I, but me and you, I, yeah, I get tired in this life. I get worried and confused just like yep. anybody else. And, um, and, and so to, to reestablish the kind of gospel that really does make a difference in people's lives, um, from the inside out in an ongoing way, I would hope if you guys met me or talked to me 10 years from now, that, that the zoo I still can be in so many different ways in my life, that you would actually see some authentic change through humility, through my brokenness, through a desire to turn and repent again and again and again, that you, you would run into me 10 years from now and say, jeepers, Capsner, something is a bit different about you. And, I, and then yeah. I would say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, because that grace continues to change and reshape and, and rebirth us day in and day out. We're not just born again once in, in that view. Um, that, that, again, is, is sort of an interesting and somewhat narrow view in the church. We're, we're being born and reborn all the time through, through the ongoing Absolutely. process of change. Yeah. So good. What a great start to Guy Talk. More great questions are coming in, so continue to send them over, 877-933-2484. I also will be checking email. If you like email, it's bill at myfaithradio.com. You're listening to Guy Talk, or guys who talk, and they do it well. Dr. Peter Kapstern and Pastor Tom Parrish are my panel today. We'll take a very short break, and we'll be back with more questions and more Guy Talk.
Thanks for joining me. We're enjoying Guy Talk, so let me know what your questions are, 877-933-2484. My team is Dr. Peter Kapsner and Pastor Tom Parrish. Gentlemen, here's a question just came in. I've repeatedly hear pastors say that we need to forgive ourselves. Doesn't that deny the work of Jesus on the cross? Isn't it more about receiving and understanding what Jesus has done for us? Yes, it does. And that person is exactly right. And let me explain that for a minute. I don't have the power to forgive myself because I'm not a savior. I can't clean up a mess that I've created in somebody else's life simply by my own power. Jesus, however, can do that. And here's the key. I worked with, uh, as you guys know, with women who had had abortions and now had come to deep regret. And I worked with several hundred of them. And my goal or what I was asked to do is teach them the Lord's forgiveness Uh, how to forgive others that had pushed them into that, and then how to forgive themselves. But in the how to forgive themselves, it wasn't, you know, can I muster up the courage now to forgive myself for what I did? No. Forgiving yourself is simply acknowledging this is what I did. I didn't let Jesus in in the process. I was wrong, but now I'm a new creation. Jesus says, I've cleansed that, and you have a new life in me. That's what it means to really forgive yourself, and now you walk in a new way of life. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. I think that's beautiful. I think you 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 parse that out well, Tom. In terms of our invitation is to, is to trust in the forgiveness that's offered when we turn and repent in the midst of our sins, not just one yeah. time, but but through the course of a lifetime. All right, here's another question. A friend of mine could never forgive her daughter-in-law for her unfaithfulness to her son. She was a believer and just passed into eternity. What do you think happened the moment she met Jesus? <laughs> the person wow. was this the person that couldn't forgive or yes. the daughter-in-law? Well, she was, was a believer. Person. She just could never forgive her daughter-in-law for her unfaithfulness to her son. Hmm. Well, oh wow, yeah, that's, yeah, that's probably beyond uh, you know any of us to be able to to decide, right, Tom? I mean, I I think yeah, one thing I, that I that I appreciate from the Catholic tradition. I'm not advocating to do this, but I appreciate what was underneath it is the idea of the last rites as the final sacrament by which God's grace is provided for us. The last rites was was a means by which there was kind of a final forgiveness before you would enter into heaven. And, um, but, and I think what that acknowledges is that we're going to take a lot of known and unknown brokenness uh, into the other side. I, I, I would really doubt that God was up there saying, yeah, I would let you in, except you didn't repent from this one unknown sin or something along those lines. Like, I think his grace is so magnificent and where our sin abounds, his grace abounds all the more that for those who are willing to, to turn towards him, um, this side and the next, that he, he will continue to, to do that, that, um, work of forgiveness in our lives. So I, who knows for sure what happens on the other side? I would hesitate to say, but I would also hesitate to say that this person is somehow in trouble. Uh, that would be an unusual view of God. Yeah, I'm not going to step into what did Jesus do with her, because only the Lord knows. But here's what I right. do know, that we have confused forgiveness with our emotions. And, you know, when you get hurt really bad in life, like her son got hurt by her daughter-in-law, or somebody murders your child, and that does happen to people, Christians. 
the the emotion is so strong and will be with you for a lifetime no matter who you are. And so we confuse that with the forgiveness issue. The forgiveness issue is that we stand before Jesus and we say, I hate what she did. I hate what he did. It was wrong. It hurt me. My emotions are a wreck. But for your sake, Jesus, and for what you've done, I offer her forgiveness because of you. You have to deal with her. I'm not the Savior. On the other hand, Lord, I'm still struggling with these emotions, and I'm like a roller coaster, and I need your help. And that's where we need, if you look in the New Testament, 52, one another passages talking about how Christians support one another and uh, at times confront one another and you know, help one another. We need that because the devil wants to hold it privately inside and make us absolutely miserable. Yeah, I think maybe one other quick thought on this, too. Uh, you're so right on that uh, in, in my mind is that it's one thing to forgive. It's another thing to to feel like everything is OK. And And I've come to the belief that th- this world is going to be a place in which uh, tears and sorrow is going to be part of our life. And um, and so I think to forgive somebody is is to say, you know, I'm going to just place them in God's hands. I'm, I'm hugely hurt by what happened, by this betrayal. Um, I, I would probably never not be hurt by the betrayal on some level, uh, but I am going to place them in God's hands. And uh, And I think for somebody that can offer just even that level of forgiveness, I think that's about the extent of the invitation sometimes and the hurt is so strong because the Bible is pretty clear that our tears don't get wiped away until Jesus returns and sets all things right. right. And then and then it's real clear from Revelation 21 and 22 that then he will wipe all of their tears and then there will be no more curse and then the leaves of the trees will be for the healing of the nations and then, then things will be restored. And so I, I think I, I sympathize with the impulse that we want our lives to be restored in the midst of terrible, just terrible hurt and betrayal and, and the shootings that we've seen that are so devastating in the darkness that dwells. That, that we could enjoy this life in a different kind of way. But, but part of the great hope that we profess is that one day things will be set right. And so we do look forward to that day, even while we struggle in, in this day. And, and the hurt is real. And I think some hurts, Tom, we will uh, decide. I know I have some hurts in my life that probably I've both caused and that I carry that will continue in this lifetime until Jesus takes care of it all in ways that I don't fully understand something I had to face in myself and my own character, because I've been hurt too. I've hurt people. I know that, but I've been hurt very deeply by some people and the bitterness you feel, the anger you feel. When I finally started to come to grips with forgiveness and why I forgive, I don't forgive because of that person. I forgive because of what Jesus has done for me. I forgive because of who he is. Here's my problem though. Unwillingness to forgive for Jesus sake and all he's done for me, is really deep in my heart a desire to somehow not only correct the situation, but often to punish the other person. And that's not my business. My business is to give it to Jesus, and he says, vengeance is mine. I know what to do. And you know what? It's a better place to leave it than in my hands. For sure. I mean, if we just take this into brass tacks a little bit, I just think about it. If you, let's say, you had a father or a mother who was abusive on some level to you and, and, and caused a break in the relationship, that was a lifetime break. But but let's say that father or mother, when they're 50 or 60, 70 years old, they authentically do give their life to Jesus. And, and they say, you know, that I do want to be restored. I, I do repent from this. And now you, uh, and let's say you're a Christian as well, you get to the other side and you have eternity together. How is it that we're going to be able to spend eternity together 
even with somebody who perpetrated something like that, a parent who maybe was abusive. Yeah. And there's so many people, Tom, that live in those kind of situations. And and here's what I would say. Again, the good news and, and, and what Jesus did has to be so magnificent as to even potentially restore those things somehow in ways that, quite frankly, I don't fully understand. But this is why our faith is about trust. And, and the question is, is will all of us trust the maker of the universe who, who became flesh and dwelt among us? Um, are we willing to trust him and his magnificence and his inexhaustibility that he will even be able to restore those kind of relationships somehow that I could stand in, 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 a, in the perpetrator of abuse's presence on the other side and there would be some kind of wholeness between us? I don't know yeah. how it's going to work, but if we don't talk about these things, we end up in sort of these, I, I would just say, almost impotent faith places. And, and churches, pastors, parents, we, we need to be talking about these things because this is how people are living and, and why I think sometimes the gospel doesn't sound like all that great a news to people. Exactly. Exactly. I've got one quick story, if I may, Bill. I don't know what our time frame is. You has, may, but Tom Parrish. I've, I have had many, many, many women, older women, come to me for counseling. And it is exactly what happened. They were abused by a father. They were abused mm -hmm. by a brother. Nobody ever asked forgiveness. It was never dealt with. And now they're dead, the, the brother or father. And these women are carrying this bitterness and this hurt. And I remember, you know, everybody always says, you know, when you go out to get a new pastor, get a young one. I, I don't always believe that. I was so stupid <laughs> when I was a young pastor. It took me a long time with experience to learn about what real pain is and how to deal with pain. And so what I would do, and I had one woman who said her father was an elder in the church, but he had been abusing her since age 12 until she got married. And she was married three times and she's bitter at men. And then we started talking. I said, okay, tell me how you feel about Jesus. I love Jesus. I really love him. I said, all right, here's what we're going to do. Now, this didn't happen in 10 seconds. This took a little bit of time. But I said to her, let's take this to Jesus. And what we did is we literally prayed out loud. And she said out loud, Jesus, I'm bitter at my dad for what he did. I'm angry at what he did. And I said, all right, now I want you to listen in your heart in the scriptures. What is Jesus saying for you to do? And she said, right out of the starting gate, He's asking me to forgive for his sake. I said, there's nothing better. Mm -hmm. And on that day, that 75-year-old woman did exactly that. And for the rest of her life, she died a couple of years ago, for the rest of her life, she was free from the bitterness she had carried. She still didn't like it. Time she'd still be angry. Bitterness was gone, and she had freedom. And she would often call me and tell me, thank you. I'm now free from this bitterness I've carried all my life. Wow. Mm, that's powerful. That is. All right. Let me move on to another uh, question. If someone comes up to you and, and is questioning, am I saved? Do you have any questions or maybe a litmus test that you would ask someone if they approached you uh, with that mm -hmm. question? Peter, I'll let you go first. I, I oh, do. brother. Please feel free. Uh, I, you know, I, I guess, Bill, I'm probably not the right one to try to answer that question because if what we mean by saved, it goes back to something we've talked about other times in right. God Talk. What, what do we believe we're saved from? Right. And I think a lot of people believe they were saved from the wrath of an angry father who was going to chuck them into hell. And, and um, sure. I, don't get me wrong, God has anger and there is hell and all of those things. But that version of the gospel, again, is, is perhaps maybe a, a really unique one in, in history. So when I say that you're saved, um, I would say this, that here's what I know, again, that I have a, a, a sin. I have a power of sin in my life. 
that is killing me. It'll kill the people around me. It'll destroy from me from the inside out. It'll even destroy my physical body entirely. Um, so it is a disease. It's a leprosy. So when I say I'm saved, I say that I have put my hand, my, my life in the hands of the great physician, just like I would if I had cancer and I put myself in the hands of a physician at Mayo Clinic. Um, I have now put my life in the hands of the great physician, as Jesus calls himself, and he has brought a different power of healing in my life that I get to taste in part in this life, and I taste in full. So what's the litmus test of that? Um, I, I don't have a simple one, but I would say this. Uh, if you asked me if I was saved, Tom Parrish, I would say I've given my life to Jesus. Uh, and, and so, yes, there's a new power operating in my life that is not full, but it's happening. That's where I'd like to get people, to exactly what you just said. Too often when people say, I don't know if I'm saved, what I hear next, and I'll say, saved from what? What do you mean saved? I will hear things like, well, I haven't been good enough, or I cheated on my wife, or I haven't been the father I should have been. Uh, Duh, that's life in this world. That's true for all of us to some degree. The question is not, what have you failed to do? The question is, what do you recognize you need to do? And who do you need to trust in? If I'm talking about myself and what I need to do in order to be saved in the sense of, have I done enough good things? I'll never be saved in my mind. But when I trust in Jesus, and then I I usually try to walk people through the great claims of Jesus, like in John, you know, I am the resurrection, the life, you know, I am the, the gate. I am the good shepherd and help people understand he's done it for you. And then we come around to the very end of it where you just said, Peter, I put my I put myself in the hands of Jesus. That's it. And I say to those people, then from this moment on, you can know for sure you are saved because you trust in Jesus today, tomorrow, and to the day he returns. Well said. We're going to take a little break. We'll come back. More Guy Talk. Let me know. What do you have for us? What questions? Maybe you've been thinking about something you'd like to ask your pastor, but you haven't gotten around to it yet. You can ask these gentlemen. They will do their very best to answer your question. Text it over, 877-933-2484. Also check email, bill at myfaithradio.com. Be right back. If you just joined us, welcome. Nice to have you with me today. Guy Talk is happening. It's an opportunity for you to ask questions to my panel. Dr. Peter Kapsner and Pastor Tom Parrish are on board today, so always glad to have uh, this opportunity for you to ask whatever questions you have for us. The number is 877-933-2484. Here's a question, gentlemen. If there are no tears in heaven, will we remember our earthly lives and the pain that someone caused or that we caused. Yeah, I guess, I guess whichever one of the three of us gets there first, we need to somehow report back in. Because I don't, I, don't, I don't know for sure yeah, how this is going to work, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, try, I'll try to do a TikTok video uh, or something. But, I, yeah, I mean, on some level, I don't know how that's going to work exactly. You know, some people would suggest that we get so swept up in the magnificence of God, we almost have sort of a holy amnesia. But I, that's not a view that I would subscribe to. I just think no. they're... I think about some of the painful situations in my own life that have had some healing. And, and also, here's there, there's a deep mystery in some of those things, too, 
that I would say that um, if those pain, those painful things are wrong, they will always have been wrong that happened in my life. But somehow God brings back together for good um, those things in, in such a way that there's even a little piece of me that is grateful for what God did in the midst uh, of the harm. And that does not mean that the harm was right. It just simply means that God had a way somehow of redeeming it. And I suspect whatever that thing that I've tasted a little teeny taste of in this life is probably going to be somewhat like what heaven's going to be like where we taste it in full. Let me give you a tiny story to see if this makes sense. Uh, high school and early college, I dated one girl for three years, thought we were going to get married. And then we played Romeo and Juliet, broke up, got back together, <laughs> broke up. And finally she dumped me. That's about the best way to put it. She married some other guy. <laughs> I was angry. I was very angry about that. And I carried that anger for a while. The day came when I met my wife and began to get to know her. And we began to fall in love. And now this coming October, we've been married 50 years. I can tell you honestly, guys, I remember the past. I remember what she did and what I did. It wasn't all her fault. I was just as guilty. But I look back, it no longer has an emotional power on me. It Hmm. no longer has a consequence for me. I can look back now, and I'm free from that, even though I can still see it. And I have a feeling in heaven, you know, we're not going to forget our past, but it's not going to have any power over us any longer because we are a new creation in Jesus Christ and have a whole eternity ahead of us. I love that, Tom. Just quickly on that, I I often think of forgiveness is that the power of the past has been broken on behalf of now a free and open future. And and so I think there's something about heaven in which the ever unfolding future of God, in which we will live um, as you know kings and queens reigning with Him forever and ever. Somehow the power of the past is going to be fully broken, so it no longer defines our present and our future. But I don't think it means we forget our past. Somehow it just is now; it no longer has sway. Peter, exactly. Can, Peter, can I ask you a, a quick question? When you think sure. of the Romeo and Juliet story, isn't there some kind of mutual poisoning that went on? There, you know, <laughs> Bill, that was the first thing that came across my mind, too. I yes, thought we were trying was. to get a major confession on air from Parrish on that one. Should Tom be on the call right now at all? I, well, I would say at the very least, this is last Guy Talk episode, indeed, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've enjoyed it, guys. Thank yeah. you. So uh, what are your thoughts on any kind of prayers prayed to anyone other than the Holy Trinity? I know there's lots of people that pray to people other than God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Um, Does that fall into the category of worshiping false idols? You know, I don't put too much burden. I mean, I would would try to help people not do that. They can go directly to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus. Uh, But I don't put too much fault on people that do that from this standpoint. They are simply often then a product of their traditional or religious background. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a problem is when the leadership knows better and may perpetuate that uh, and keep that going when they know better than that through history, through the Word of God, and where the, Jesus tells us that through him, we now have direct access to the Father. Mm-hmm. Why do I need anybody else? If I'm going to play a football game, you know, I'm not going to run out and get some kid from a junior high football game to be my quarterback. No, no, no. I'm going to get, you know, the best quarterback I can find in the NFL and the top one. And if Tom Brady will play, then we're going to win the game. When I pray to the Father, I'm winning the game. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't, uh, I might say some things that sound pretty far afield from time to time, but I don't necessarily, I, I can't get my head around praying to the saints. I do have a pretty robust 
uh, awareness of the Hebrews passage where it talks about that now, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race. I, I, I think we underestimate what the, what's going on within the heavenly kingdom so often. I don't know what that looks like. I'm not suggesting ghosts. I'm not suggesting that you should get in touch with your ancestors. I'm not a, you know, suggesting praying. To, nothing like that. But, but I think we are surrounded by um, an incredible story of wildly faithful people who probably weren't much to look at in this life and, and yet followed Jesus. And, and from that, they've carried on this incredible story. And, and I have a lot of um, awareness of my mind of the people who have gone before me that I want to to follow as they followed as well, but I would never pray to them. Mm-hmm. I'm just grateful for them. Yes, me just too. Several minutes ago, the question came up that if there were no tears in heaven, will we remember our earthly lives and the pain that someone caused or that we caused? Another comment came in asking, doesn't the Bible say the former things won't be remembered? It says that they passed away. I don't passed know that it's away. about being remembered. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. indeed. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, Parrish. How, it, I mean, I use my marriage as an example. I would hope that if, uh, when we get to the other side, and even that, that we can remember, I guess, guy talk episodes. I mean, I'd hope if I, if I see you somewhere and, you know, however big heaven is, and there's going to be a lot of people there, I hope when we run across each other, we'll, we'll be talking about guy talk still. When I was a young, when I was in elementary school, I had to walk to school. One of my friends was afraid to walk to school because this neighbor's dog would around and bark at him and bit him. And was really, it was not nice. We're walking to school one day, and he comes walking up to me with a big smile on his face. And I said, aren't you afraid of the dog up here? He says, no. The good news is Champ has passed away. And I think sometimes we think about passing away. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it means. It's dead to us. It has yeah. no power over us. But that doesn't mean we don't know its reality. And what yeah, I don't. Yeah, I used the marriage example a second ago. I didn't follow up on that, but I can't imagine getting to the other side and meeting Hallie and saying, huh, you look vaguely familiar to me, <laughs> you know, after doing like 60 years of life together. I just, I don't think it's going to be that way. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. <laughs> That's good stuff. What about when people say, um, my Jesus or my Bible? And now, obviously, you know, Paul will talk about my God and... But what about when they're using my Jesus and they'll attack on something like my Jesus wouldn't send someone to hell or, mm. you know, my Jesus uh, doesn't condemn people for who they love. Uh, what is the, the biblical approach to trying to be loving and gentle and firm and biblical when you hear that? I usually ask people, hey, show me your Jesus in the Bible. Show me where he responds exactly the way you're talking about. And then I, too will adopt that Jesus. But the Jesus I read about in the Bible talks differently than what I'm hearing you say. Which Jesus are we going to talk about then? And I've done that with people, and I've had some that have never been happy with me ever since, <laughs> but I've had many who came back years later and said, I was really stupid, wasn't I? You put me on the right path. And when I look at the Bible, he's not my Jesus. It's his Jesus who exists all by himself. My goal is to be his disciple. Agreed. Yeah, well said. Yeah. So we just have about a, a minute left, so I, I, we can't dig into too many more questions unless I can find a, a quick short one here. Um, I appreciate you guys uh, having a we great conversation. Romeo and Juliet if we have to. And I <laughs> yeah. Clear. yeah, we could. You left out some serious holes in that story, Tom Parrish. <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah, that's, that's not, where I learned to repent. Yeah, not satisfying. 
Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we probably don't have time to dig into any more of the questions, but I will save these questions for another time and another episode of Guide Talk. Um, so thank you for uh, spending time today on the show. You can always send over questions anytime. It doesn't have to be during the show. You can text them over and just say question for Guide Talk, and we'll collect them throughout the week. And then we'll have your question uh, at the top of the list uh, when we start the hour. You don't have to wait for the show to start. And you can uh, send them over via text, or you can also uh, do email if you like. If you are more comfortable with that, my email address is bill at myfaithradio.com. So, gentlemen, thank you. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Thanks, Bill. Bill. Thanks, Take care, Peter. You You bet. My power panel today has been Dr. Peter Kapsner and Pastor Tom Parrish. A special hello to Jeff Dorn and uh, Justin Jepson, who were not available today, but we'll catch up with them again. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, Dr. Heather Holloman is my guest. She's written a book called The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility. And boy, I think we're seeing plenty of that nowadays. People are not quite as nice to each other as they used to be. And we're going to find out uh, some really good, good uh, biblical advice and why asking good questions matter so much. That's all ahead with Dr. Heather Holloman up next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.